And I'm delighted to have with me today Marcus Robertson, who's the founder of Steam Dreams. If you've ever seen those marvellous steam trains steaming across Surrey, this is the man who started it all. Hello, Marcus. Morning. And uh, what, what got you into all this then? How did you start Steam Dreams? Well, as a child, my bedroom overlooked the main line from Waterloo. It was the last out of London that had steam until I was 11. So that that formed the love. And uh, in fact, there was a kind of hiatus. I didn't spend a lot of time going to, to little preserve railways. Occasionally I did. But what really got me going again was in 1992, the steam ban in the south was lifted because of the, the third rail electrification system, where steam had come back on a lot of the system over the previous 25 years. Uh, the, sub, the southern was banned. And I went on the first trip when it was allowed back out of Waterloo at 10 past eight in the evening uh, in a September. It was actually September the 9th before 9-11 became a more famous date for rather less exciting reasons. And um, we steamed off down to Bournemouth. And although it was in the dark and they did it in the dark because they didn't want spectators transgressing, there were literally, and this is not an exaggeration, thousands of people all along the line, even though we didn't get to Bournemouth till 10 and something, about 10.30, 10.40 at night. The platform at Bournemouth, they, they reckon there was 5,000 people in on the platform and around the station. And that's, you know, that was the most, that, although I've obviously loved running Steam Dreams, that was the most exciting day in my Steam life. Because that- just going down that line that I'd never done as an adult with the engines of Bullet Pacific. And, and it, you know, there were a lot of tours then followed on from that by a lot of people across the South. I went on as many as I could. Normally, in those days, you still could get away with doing things which now, obviously, quite rightly are forbidden, like putting your head out of the window. And uh, so I went on every tour I could and enjoyed it. I also dragged my wife once or twice. Um, and I always went standard because I wasn't interested at the time in, you know, just going with my little boys. My sons went with me. Um, and she thought, said, literally, well, you can make this so much better if you thought about the non-enthusiast and the women in particular. And she gave me four golden rules. And, and that's how we sort of thought about it. And um, I was in business in PR and sports marketing. And we started this on the side. And the four golden rules for what they're worth were not to do as most steam tours did, just went as far as they could, as long as they could, just filled up with coal and water and went somewhere else and then came back again. She said, don't go, go somewhere interesting. Um, don't start too early in the morning and don't make it a long day um, and have a lot of time in the place you're going to. Then the two probably most important ones, having every every other charter train at that time just had a team that worked in BR. So in other words, it's BR catering, which is fine in its own way. But she said, do something more like a modern catering off, um, offer that you would get in a in a proper restaurant in London or wherever. And um, so that was rule number three. And rule number four, which she and all women, if I actually say, what do you think the most important thing on the train is? The women nearly always agree with my wife, which is having an onboard loo cleaner. Now, that may sound strange, but for women, that is the most important thing that we could possibly do is to keep the train nice and clean. So those are the things we did. And, and we started up and we had a, a, a one trial run um, in 1999 to Salisbury. And that went well. And then we started a regular operation to Canterbury the following summer. My goodness me. So you had such a wise advice from your wife for this. Yes, because if you don't get the wives along, all you're going to do is be like we were on the trips I went on, nearly all just hardcore enthusiasts, um, which actually, basically, and if something goes wrong, they're going to be unhappy about the engine. You know, you can't build a sustainable business that pays for itself 
if you just have enthusiasts by creating a much bigger market and having women what we've done we've created a business where people just enjoy the um the sheer beauty of going behind steam and they don't understand it in the way that a hardcore enthusiast like myself would in terms of what the loco is or how it's performing they can hear it they see it and they're having a lovely meal and passing through lovely countryside or going to somewhere beautiful that's all that matters you know it's the whole experience not just the steam the steam being there is obviously essential but once you're off and going all those other bits are just as important and uh, that, that's the way i look at it it's a mobile restaurant for a lot of people obviously there's still standard class seats where you don't have to have a meal and, they, and the enthusiasts still go there yeah but otherwise it's it's I mean, stepping back into another era almost isn't it and a bit of luxury as well it, it is because the sad fact is a bit like aeroplanes trains you know we've been squashed more and more and more over the years into less and less room each and the old coaches and what i find fascinating is our standard coaches um which are from the 50s and 60s have the same layout as modern first class coaches on some train operators so in fact you know it, it was a standard coach and we don't say it wasn't but it is actually the same room you know four people around the table you don't yeah. get that on most are you very lucky if on a standard class seat you get that there i'm almost nowhere and that's so true that's true that respect. but obviously the other coaches the pullmans and so on that we have for the dining are beautifully restored they're much better than they ever were back in br days they are so wonderfully restored and table lamps and carpets and curtains and nice fittings and you know, really well done. Um, there must be quite a few logistical challenges, uh, given that, that, you know, steam engines do need a lot of water and indeed coal and so on. Uh, uh, how do you go about all that? Well, the biggest logistical challenge of all, before you even get to the coal and water, is, is working with Network Rail. And, and we have to have a specialist train operator who um, it understands steam. And there is really only one that does it, does it regularly now, which is a company called West Coast Rail, and they're brilliant. They know, that's all they do. They are specialists in steam, so they understand everything that goes with it. So they, we have to put a, um, our bids in through them. They put it to Network Rail, Network Rail then time it for us. And, and you know, all that has to be done 16 weeks in advance before you even get to anything else. And the water stops and the coal stops are in there. I mean, the coal is normally done at the destination. We work out where we're going to do the coal there. The water... And we do have to stop normally once or twice on most journeys to fill up the water because you can only go about 60 to 80 miles with most engines. So that's very difficult to plan. And um, my son, Charlie, does that for Steam Dreams. That's his, his role. He's the operations manager. And it's knowing the loops, the platforms, the timetable, because obviously you need 10 to 15 minutes. So you can only stop at places where there's not a, if you're in a platform, where there is space to fit you in between other services. But it works. And we use retired fire engines. So if you ever watch casualty of Holby City, those uh, fire engines you see on there are actually the same ones that you'll see waiting for our locos when they turn up at Brookwood to fill up. Right, so you're helping uh, the preserved fire engine in, uh, yeah. people as well then. That's that's, that's a lovely idea. I, I guess uh, probably the most famous one, of course, is the Flying Scotsman locomotive. Yeah, I mean, Flying Scotsman, everyone says it is the world's most famous locomotive, and maybe if that was a bit of hype 10 years ago before it came back, it isn't now. It is definitely true, because when we came back, with it and we took it into Scotland. We were the first people to do that. In fact, the only people who've done it so far, we've done it five, we're doing it again uh, this month. Um, when you take Flying Scotsman, we did took it up there, there were literally thousands and thousands of people waiting for it. And when we went over the fourth bridge, which again we're doing um, later this month, when you go to the fourth bridge, you can't see a space underneath it on the roads for the park or the fields. And it's fantastic because that excitement is, yeah. is something that is 
it's so unique and and you know flying scotsman is in was the first engine to have an authenticated speed of 100 miles an hour so in every way it is the best engine that this country has produced in terms of its celebrity its um groundbreaking that it did and it, it is the, the flagship for all steam but of course you know for steam lovers actually any engine you know is one they love and if it, it might not be the flying scotsman their favorite engine for me personally it's things called bullet pacifics that did the, the brighton uh, sorry the bournemouth and yes. extra run and we did actually own a, own a, a merchant navy for, for a few years right that was, yeah that's an expensive hobby only yeah. a local so a number, um, number of different engines then. I guess um, COVID coming along must have uh, really had an impact on your business. It did. Uh, we, we effectively didn't run from March last year at all until this month. Um, sorry, last month. We started back with the Flying Scotsman coming through the Surrey Hills at the end of May. We are now, though, back up and running. And, and the guy who took the business on for me, David Buck, who does own an engine, Mayflower, B1 class, fantastic engine, he um, was very brave in how well he kept it going and keeping everyone involved and informed. But obviously, the government furlough also helped. But here we are now. We're back up and running and pretty much as far as one can be towards normal. Although at the moment, we still have um, less people on the train because of the social distancing. So I'm going to say you're taking, obviously, certain yeah. precautions at the moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, on the train, like everywhere else in, in you know pubs and, and even the NHS, wherever you go, the COVID rules are very strictly enforced. But um, once you're eating, you don't have to have a mask on. So yeah, obviously that helps with the dining passengers. But also the train itself, they've put up screens between seats. So there's all sorts of things that have been done to mitigate the COVID risk. And rightly so. Right. Yes. Yeah, so you mentioned the Sunset uh, Steam Express then. So that's back running through the Surrey Hills. Am I right? That's every Tuesday? Every Tuesday, um, there have been three, so, well, one, one was with Fine Scots and two with Mayflower um, through the Surrey Hills uh, in the evening. And, I mean, it is fantastic. On, honestly, last, this Tuesday has gone, I've gone on all of them, and this Tuesday just gone, coming through the Surrey Hills on Tuesday evening, anyone can remember, it was a beautiful evening. I mean, what I love about, I live in the Surrey Hills, so I'm very prejudiced, but, um, you know, when you actually try and devise an evening schedule out of Victoria for three and a half, four hours, have a dinner, we're very lucky that this close to London there's a circuit that goes through such fantastic countryside. And I don't know, people have, most people will never go on that line, which runs from Guildford through um, Chilworth, Gomshall, Dorking, uh, Betchworth, Rygate, Red Hill. It's a very lowly used line, really. It's not electrified. It's just got a service to Gatwick from Reading. So most people never live in the area, never go on it. And mm-hmm. to do this run is a fantastic thing. It's just stunning. It could be the Dordogne, it could be Mid Wales. Um, you'd never know you're 25 miles from Charing Cross. It's just incredible. Yeah, it obviously works very well for you and uh, for everybody who's uh, who's on board. Uh, and and what are the other things you're doing then? Well, that those days we have um, also in the daytime we do three daytime trips to Windsor, one way. So people want ready for people want to go and see Windsor. So that's a, a lovely trip. We're doing day trips with Flying Scotsman um, all over the place um, going uh, in the next few weeks, but they're pretty much fully booked, as is, as is the trip just to Edinburgh next um, in a fortnight's time. Um, but then later this summer, um, we've got some day trips to places like Weymouth, um, Bath we go to regularly. And um, more important, I think, for people who are thinking about staycations, we've got a five-day trip um, to um Snowdonia, and that is a fact we, we go through very remote parts of uh, Wales. We're double headed steam for much of it. We've got a trip along the Cambrian coast, which, if anyone knows Barmouth Bridge, which is a sort of famous 
of railway which nearly closed in the 80s but got rescued at the last minute and that is a wonderful piece of railway so and then we drop the passengers off the pool passengers are staying in port merion most of them so we've got three nights there and then we come back on the north Wales coast and and down through another scenic route through herefordshire and gloucestershire and and uh, under the, uh, the seven and back to paddington so that's in in uh, beginning of september that has a bit of space left not a huge amount and then we're doing a four-day trip um and we thought of this long before Boris thought of taking the politicians there down to Cornwall with, with Mayflower. It was supposed to happen last September when we um, when we were supposed to be celebrating the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower ship that went to um, to America. And unfortunately, COVID obviously killed that. But our own engine happens to be called Mayflower. It was named after that ship. So it was a wonderful idea. And again, we, we're doing that in the end of September, four-day trip, three nights in Cornwall um, to... to um, down to all the way to Penzance by steam and again that's going to be double-headed because actually we need two steam engines for those who know the route between particularly Exeter and, and um, mm. Plymouth but also when you get into Cornwall to some extent between Exeter and Plymouth very very steep because Brunel originally built that for a different form of um, engineering it was going to be there weren't going to be locos they had an air pipe that was vacuum pulled the engine so it's an extraordinary thing but anyway that didn't work so the engines then replaced it on these amazing gradients so going across there with two steam engines boy the noise is incredible I'm going to say, and yes, I'm working hard. Well. It's going along Dawlish that trip in both directions as well, so that's lovely. Oh, it's Dawlish Seawall. That's a lovely place yeah. to, get, to go along, isn't it, as well? And, of course, a lot yeah. of work going on down there at the moment to improve the resilience. Indeed. And, yeah. and, and there's a beauty, you know, we've a beautiful bit of rowing. Thank goodness they saved it. Mm. And it's uh, great that uh, the skills, I guess, of, of, uh, of firemen and drivers is being maintained through all this. Oh, I mean... There are what's very interesting. The dynamics has always been have been young, uh, old crews, basically, um, particularly the drivers. There, there's still blokes driving now who drove steam in the sixties, but they really? are getting. But the firemen and the youth, suddenly there's a generational change, and I've noticed this with support crews for locos as well. That where it was all blokes who remembered steam, and that was why they did it. We're now getting a new generation of people in their teens and twenties coming through to, to look after engines. Learn to fire on the main line, and some one or two are now starting to be drivers. And I think we've, we've kept that going. And Riley's, who look after a lot of the engines, including Fly Scotsman and a lot of Black Five locos, Riley's up in Lancashire are specialists, and they've got a lot of apprentices learning about steam. So the history of steam will be saved. Funny enough, we're, we're taking a tour in two and a half years' time. We're going to New Zealand. We did actually have to postpone it partly because of COVID, but partly because their steam crews have all just retired. So our steam trip to New Zealand, which is a three-week tour for North and South Islands in, in uh, October 2023. That tour has been put back partly because we had to with COVID. We weren't sure that we'd be able to get there next year when it's supposed to be. But also, while they're training up new steam crews, so they're doing the same thing, exactly the same. Mm. You know, so new, what's wonderful is it's not going to die away. That's marvellous to see that, that that's being passed on to a new generation. Well, thank you so much, Marcus, for taking us through uh, Steam Dreams. It's a marvellous enterprise, and uh, long may you continue. If people want to find out more, what's the best thing to do? Well, obviously, the website the first place to go to, um, but we're on Facebook as well. But the website is www.steamdreams.co.uk. And particularly for people who live in Surrey and uh, near London who fancy a day, uh, just a, an introductory trip to right, Steam Dreams, because it's not a day trip, it's three and a half hours, 6.15 out of Victoria, 9.45 back and through the lovely Surrey Hills. And it will surprise them even about their own locality if they go on it. I'm sure. And, and nice to think you're, you're based uh, just outside Guildford? 
with the, the office is in Albury. Yeah. Um, yeah. So very much a, a um, sorry company. Marcus, thanks again for talking to Brooklyn's Radio today. Pleasure. And that was Marcus Robertson, founder of Steam Dreams.